Coming up on Guys Talking Sports, we talk about the aftermath of the Super Bowl. Congratulations to the New England Patriots for winning it. And we also talk about what's next for the Patriots and what's next for the Rams. And is the Patriots really the greatest team of all time? Or are there just benefits from the competition that they play? My co-host, Adrian Catwell and Earl Ross join me, Al Qualls, on Guys Talking Sports, but we also talk about a little bit of the, all the NBA trades as well. So make sure you tune in and check us out on Guys Talking Sports. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Guys Talking Sports. Appreciate all the love and support out there. Uh, so without further ado, we're going to get right into it. There's a lot to talk about in the world of sports today. So got my co-hosts with me, Earl Ross and Adrian Catwell. So what's going on, fellas? How you guys doing? Uh, doing good. Can't complain. No 6-3 weather outside. Yeah, same here. Same here. It was nice to... Nice to feel a touch of spring yesterday, just to go back to winter today. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. Like, at this point, it's just a reality check <laughs> after enjoying the nice weather that we had. So, but let's get right into it. Of course, I'm not at the NFL. The Super Bowl is officially kaput and over with. Uh, of course, we never talked about it, but the Patriots did win the Super Bowl. Um, I guess the grads are in order. Um, but let me ask you guys this first question right off the bat. Do you, any of you guys actually watch the Super Bowl? And give me your thoughts on just the overall experience of the Super Bowl if you did watch it. Well, I uh, I, I watched it. Um, I mean, it was, only, it was the only show on town. There was nothing else really on. So uh, <laughs> I was kind of watching it, you know, more or less to see you know, the commercials. Halftime show, I was very lukewarm about to begin with. Um, not a Maroon 5 fan or a Travis Scott fan. Um, big boy, yeah, but outside of that, I wasn't that interested about the halftime show. I was kind of hoping for a good game. I thought the Rams would, you know, put on a show. But by, like, third quarter, I was, like, <laughs> doing laundry and folding clothes and getting ready for tomorrow. So I didn't end up at any Super Bowl party, which is probably the reason why I started doing all of that. But um, to say at least to say the game was a very defensive game, wasn't high scoring, not a lot of drama in it. I mean, it was basically pretty much was who was going to you know, make the first big mistake and who was going to be the person to make the, you know, the touchdown first. And pretty much, like I said, it was a defensive game. I watched it, but I wasn't really dialed in to it as I have been in the past. Of course, I didn't have a horse in the race, but, you know, I watched it, but I wasn't all that, you know, dialed in for it. Yeah. Uh, I, too, watched the game. Unfortunately, you know, it was, uh, had a few folks over, cooked some food, and thought I would enjoy some, some offense. I, I mean, I guess it was nice to see some actual defense, but. Uh, oh man, where's my invite at? I'm only I'm only about an hour and some change down the road. I was gonna say I, I I was truly under the impression that uh that Mr. Brunson was uh having something and uh you guys were gonna be at his place. So I didn't uh didn't just, didn't bother to send any additional invites. 
<laughs> and then when I hit up B later on that evening, he was like, yeah, I ain't doing nothing. <laughs> I was like, oh. I was like, well, uh, pipe dream that was. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I had more fun cooking food than prepping for the for the bowl game, uh, the Super Bowl itself, as opposed to actually watching it. Um, <laughs> I'm mad I missed some of the commercials, though I thought the best commercial by far was the NFL 100 commercial. Yeah, I, have to, my dad. I have to agree with that one. That that was just I still watch that today. <laughs> I'm at work, I get bored. I take the two minutes and just just kinda kinda play around with it and just watch it because it's just so entertaining. Um for the first time I can honestly say that I thought that uh McVeigh was a coach who because he's so meticulous about you know, the teams that he played against that could recite plays and do all types of crap. I just knew that him and his coaching staff would have been prepared to make any adjustments that the Patriots might have uh, might have been throwing at them based off of the defensive looks they were getting. But the one thing that he never did, and I don't understand why, why didn't he play? Why didn't he have golf playing quarterback like how Brady was playing quarterback? One, two, three, stop. Pat, get the ball out your hand. Pass first, run second. You know, you got to minimize that pass rush. And the Rams' offensive line just played like pure crap for the entire game. I mean, they were def- they were fortunate to get three points. <laughs> and the fact that golf was so rattled, Missed wide open passes, you know, the the one that cooks in the end zone really stands out because he was wide open for about seven to eight yards before he even seen seen him and then, then floated the pass to him in the back of the end zone. I'm like, dude, I was just so disappointed. And the fact that the Rams defense played really, really well is just the fact they got worn down. I mean, you can't expect them to be on the damn field for – 35, 40 minutes to keep that same intensity all game. So uh, the, the the Rams defense, they, they I tip my hat to them because they shut down Brady. They did they did enough for the Rams offense to win that game. And I blame McVay and the offensive guys for not making any real adjustments to put golf in better situations to try to win that game. And golf, of course, just played like like a deer in headlights, and the, the situation just got too big for him. And I don't know; it's so hard to go back to the Super Bowl back to back years. It's not it's not impossible, but it's hard. And I don't know with the salary cap and the, the chips all in type attitude that the Rams had. Will they have that opportunity to actually go back? But you know. Do I tip my hat to the to the Patriots? I guess you know they forever. No matter what the situation is, they always find a way to win, and they easily could have won all nine of the Super Bowls that they were in instead of just the six. So obviously they're doing something right. I hate them. I hate them with a passion, but I got to tip my hat to them. Uh, that is so funny. You said I hate them with a passion, but I got to tip my hat. And to be honest, 
you're not alone in that boat. I think that everybody, majority of the people, NFL out, fans out there, are probably saying that with the exception of the New England Patriots fans. Um, where they can't stand them, but they got to respect them. Um, I think mm-hmm. that's, I mean, at this point. But I completely, 100% agree with you. The defense did what they were supposed to do. The offense did not show up whatsoever with L.A. And seeing the highlights, it was just mind-boggling, the fact that you're supposed to be the quote-unquote top offensive team in the NFL, but you couldn't even score a touchdown in the biggest stage of the game. Um, it kind of, it kind of just throws everything out of out of sync, so to speak. Like the only thing you could get was three points. I, I find that very hard to believe, and I do blame the offensive coordinator for not making no adjustments. I think that that was just to do not. And we talked about this last year, like with Philadelphia, they made adjustments on the fly to keep things going. They didn't preserve, they didn't play to defend, they played aggressively. They was like, yeah, we're going to do our best to keep scoring and keep scoring as much as possible. And then you see this performance and you think that you, you would have thought that the Rams would have learned their lessons looking at last year's performance, but they didn't make no adjustments whatsoever. And uh, I mean, you know, it's more so the Rams not making adjustments than what the Patriots did. Bottom line. And I want to make sure more so that more golf not making adjustments at the line because, uh, I mean, you know, Belichick, you know, the defense was waiting until like 15 seconds once the mic goes off in the helmet and McVay can't tell them what plays to run and who to throw it to. So you wait to show them the coverage, wait till after 15 seconds, show them the coverage and mix it up where, you know, he can't, he can't listen to McVay. And golf wasn't just able to audible out and make those, you know, adjustments, change the plays of the line of scrimmage. I mean, he would just stare down. I mean, he was staring down the one receiver, you know, or doing the same plays the entire time. I mean, every, the first down, what was it? Run, run, run. After a while, all they did was just stack the box, took away, you know, C.J. Anderson. Todd Gurley, I think, was taken away before the game even started um, for whatever reason. <laughs> reasons we'll find out next week or two that he's probably a lot more hurt than what anybody was letting on. But once they're running, you believe that though? I believe he, I believe he has, he has some, he had, he's, he was injured. Whether they want to admit to what it was or not, I think in the next couple of weeks we'll find out that it was a little bit more than what everybody thought it was. But I think he was that knee wasn't was it really the same what was it maybe the last two weeks or three weeks of the season, especially the last the last four weeks of the season where he got hurt and he was really gimpy and they sat him down basically the last two games of the um the season. And Darner really played him in that first game against the Cowboys. It was all CJ Anderson. So he really hasn't looked like himself in way over like a month and a half. So something was up. I agree with you. I think there's definitely going to be something told when in the next couple of weeks you'll see a report come out about surgery or something. Um, I, I, it's just so hard to believe that after all that happened, the beginning of the season to midway through the season, then to have a performance like this at the end of the season and, you know, where he stands right now. So there's got to be definitely something more to it. I, I completely agree. I would think, but like, but like I said, Ace, I, I agree with you. You know, you know, credit the Patriots. They 
always seem to take away what a team likes to do best. They took away the running game, forced the Rams to be a, a pass-first team. Um, they mixed up the coverage. Golf didn't change any plays. And basically, like you said, the offensive line sucked <laughs> badly. Yep. And he was getting he was getting chased around the field the entire time. While on the other side, yeah, they was getting some heat on Brady, but it wasn't like they was really planting him on his behind. I mean, the receivers, the receivers on both ends was getting clocked off the line of scrimmage. So, but and they were letting they were letting him play a lot in the Super Bowl. I mean, I seen a lot of hits, you know, past five yards where you could have threw the flag. I mean, they were just letting him play big time. See, that's the problem. I mean, the Patriots adjusted. But I think it has a lot to do with the fact that uh, that was McVay's first time, a lot of players on the Rams' first time. But there's no excuse. I mean, golf missed some wide-open passes. Um, and And I think the problem was, one, they didn't. They they didn't try to abandon abandon their uh, their typical play calling and make adjustments to get the ball out quicker. He kept trying to go for home runs. I mean, in this particular situation, when the defense is playing lights out, he never even bothered once to even check down. He always was trying to get the ball ten to twenty to thirty yards down, dude. If you check down on first and ten, and you get it to your running back and you get four yards, that's as good as a run. <laughs> <laughs> Take that four yards and try to get first down on second down. Nah, this joker was trying to get 15 yards on first down, and then he would take ill-advised sacks. <laughs> I mean, it was all—it was almost like if you were a conspiracy theorist that you think the shit was rigged. <laughs> it might have been. I mean, maybe, was, the Saints, maybe the Saints put a root on them before the game even started. That 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 makes sense. <laughs> you know how they do it, New Orleans. Still didn't get over it. Probably Bruce uh, was like, "Yeah, we got something for you." Yeah, they'll never oh. get over that. They'll. I mean, I mean, right now, I think that the the Saints and the refs right now are going to be in a heated rivalry each time they play. Like with the refs coming in, any blown call, the Saints fans is going to go after them hard. They're going to try and eviscerate them. The bigger question is this. Is the Patriots, uh, Belichick, and Brady, are they truly the GOAT? Or do you think they've been the beneficiary of a good 15-year run of of the poor AFC East and teams in the AFC that don't really match up that well? I wouldn't consider them the like the GOAT. If anything, I would consider them a little bit more clutch. Because in certain situations they find themselves I mean, not I can't I I can't consider them the greatest because let's be honest, they have lost some Super Bowl matchups. So, you know, not discounting last year. So I mean, well, counting last year as well, is what I'm saying. Um, but I don't consider them the greatest. They may be the greatest of all time in the AFC. Hmm. That's something I can't knock because there's so many trips to the Super Bowl, I can't knock that. But I can't really consider them, like, dominant at this 
not at this stage, but it's still a, in process for me. Are you asking if the team itself, would you call it, the or are you saying that just the, the, the duo? Um, ah, that's a good question. I guess you would have to look at it as the duo that includes the team. Hmm. I, you know what? Because they won his last one. The very the, 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 he won his last one the same way he won his first two. Really, the first three, and now it's with defense. Because if you look at Brady, he wasn't particularly that good anyway. And you look at his very first right. Super Bowl, he wasn't particularly that good back then. He benefited from a dominant running game and a strong defense. Actually, his first three was he had a you know a ridiculous defense. It wasn't to I'll probably say the last two that he won was really when he, it was him, you know, really doing it by himself as a QB, really picking it apart. Outside of that, if you look at it, it was really that defense, really Belichick's defense, defensive schemes. And the kicking of uh, Vinatieri, that one of them, that one of the Super Bowls. So he's they are the beneficiary of a weak AFC East for like that. I mean, you had strong mm-hmm. AFC teams in there. You had the Steelers um, that have really been their strongest rivals in the AFC up to this point. Um, you got Kansas City. I think they're on to the come up. They they better get that boy a good defense. And they better get him a replacement for Kareem Hunt because if they had, you know, if Kareem Hunt didn't have those issues, he was out there on the field, they win that game hands down. Um, Great. But um, I, I still don't see it's not as it's not as competitive as the NMC has been over the last couple of years. I mean, when you got the same team going to the Super Bowl, you know, what nine times out of the last what twelve years. And you've had literally, outside of the Giants going twice, you've had different – and the Seahawks, you've had really different people going, you know, all those times that the Rams – I mean, that the Patriots have played in the Super Bowl. So, that East has been bad ever since they've been dominant. And they really only had maybe one or two teams that's really been competitive against them. Oh, well, yeah, this, I would probably say the Steelers and the Colts when they had people right. So, I, I, to be honest, then let me ask the question. So, we can all agree that the Patriots are the great the GOAT when it comes to the AFC East. They've been the best <laughs> in this run, but I say they've been fortunate that they haven't had much more of a competitive base in the AFC as you had in the NFC. So, let me ask you a quick – let me ask you a question. Um, let's, let's say, for example, the New England Patriots just, um, were in the NFC East. You think they would have made? Do you think they would have made the Super Bowl um, the same amount of years that they would in the AFC? That's highly debatable because it depends on which depends on which division they're in. I mean, if you put them in, let's, the, let's put them in the East since we're they're in the AFC East now. Not as many, but I'd probably say they probably if they kept that same core. I wouldn't say nine times. I'd probably say maybe five. What do you think? Coming out of the East? NFC East. Yeah. 
Because outside of the Philadelphia Eagles, um, when they were like, you know, division champs for four years straight, and that was what, early 2000s, you go past that, the NFC East has had different winners, you know, past five or six years. Hmm. But what I can honestly say that during that time frame, if you, we're looking for the uh, the entire time, this whole fifteen year time period, I would say, give or take, let's yeah. we'll say ten. Let's say ten. Um, <sighs> you have to think that the NFC had better quarterback play within those ten years than the AFC. The NFC East had better quarterback play than the NFC East. If you're talking about 10 years, you're talking about Philly still had Donovan McNabb, the Giants had Eli, the Redskins. I don't know who the hell the Redskins had, but (laughs) but the Cowboys had (laughs) Romo. So you're talking about above – you're talking about above average to – highly above average quarterbacks for yeah great quarterbacks you know just put it display like it is McNabb was no slouch Romo was no slouch Eli was no uh, was no slouch so do I think the Patriots I, I can't say it's debatable like Earl said I, I wouldn't even say five I would say maybe I would say maybe four um because the one thing about the Patriots I think I think the Patriots, outside of that one year where they had Randy Moss at wide receiver, when did they really ever have a dominated receiving court? They were just the beneficiary of a weak AFC East. They get to play six games against a weak conference, a weak division, and they were guaranteed anywhere between five to six wins every year. I mean, it's hard to not make the playoffs when you're going to get five to six wins every year. <laughs> right off the top. When you're guaranteed to at least win the division every year. I mean, you, you look at it now, the AFC East, I'll pick them. Who am I picking? Anybody right. else? <laughs> I mean, the Jets had what? Marcy for those two years that they went to the, the AFC Championship? And the they Patrick. lost both times, too. Yeah. And they lost both times. I mean, well, you know, the times they went to the AFC Championship because I guess the Patriots got knocked out in the divisional round. No. Actually, the one year the one year the Jets knocked them out of the AFC Championship. I don't know. I can't remember. But either way, Hmm. minus two years and some years where Peyton got Indianapolis over the hump and the Steelers managed to do all right with, with Big Ben. The whole AFC in a whole gave, minus the Steelers and the, and, and, and the coach, didn't give the Patriots any type of competition whatsoever. Well, I'll go like this. I'll say if you were to, if you were to transplant the, the Patriots and put them into the, you know, was it the AFC North and take out, you know, the Browns and put them in the NFC East, now you got a much more competitive team with, you know, you got the Steelers, you got the Baltimore Ravens, and the Ravens always, always had their numbers. So it would be – you can't just say right off the bat that out of that division, 
the Patriots are going to go every year because Steelers are going to have to say, the Ravens are going to have to say, you just can't, even the Bengals, you know, put up a good squad every couple of years. Where the AFC East, I can't say that about the Jets, nor the Bills, nor the, nor the Dolphins. Still can't say that. So I think, like you said, they benefited from much more of a weaker division. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. East, they're guaranteed to, you know, to win that division every year, and they've won that division, what, for the last 11 years? So I, you can say he's a GOAT never, but he benefited from a sucky AFC East for this entire run, which has at least guaranteed them to win a division and get a home playoff game. And and I think that's where I was – I mean, the driven home part because of what – they really accomplished. They really didn't accomplish anything. There's not really a competition in the AFC East for them to keep to battle for that division. T- I mean, for that that division title. So, and let's be honest. Come next year, they're most likely the favorites to win again, unless the other teams do something drastically. We're still going to have the same outcome as long as Brady and Belichick are still there. So. This is still just a repeat cycle. So that's why I'm asking, I guess, with as far as where does you rank the Patriots all the time? Because let's, let's be honest, they're getting some beneficial benefits from this. And it's, they're only, it's only helping them to, to showcase their legacy. I mean, I guess you have, to, you have to put them up there. I mean, you know, Regardless, I mean, they do make it there. Nine, nine times in a row is nothing to sneeze at. So, I mean, you, you put them up there as one of the one of the best. I, you have to based on the amount of times they've been there. I mean, I give them respect because, I mean, granted, with the, the free agent era and salary cap era, it's hard to keep a, a core pack of players in, 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 um, in place. And even back in the early beginnings of the Patriots, like he said, it was more about defense in, in the run game than before Brady actually had a decent, solid wide receiver core. It wasn't until Wes Welker came into the picture and then Randy Moss was there for a hot period of time that he actually had some sort of semblance of a uh, of an outside threat instead of somebody between – uh, running a rock, and even then, they switched their philosophy from having a, a dynamic running back to to a running back by committee. <laughs> you know, I, I guess you can use this analogy. You know, for me with Brady, with the Patriots and Brady and Belichick. I mean, they've overcome a lot of odds, but it's more like LeBron James with the Cleveland Cavaliers, Miami Heat, in in the Eastern Conference, where. They win every year, but they benefited from the Eastern Conference being relatively weak over the last decade, as opposed to when Jordan went six years and won six years. That Eastern Conference was far from weak. I mean, you had a lot of good players, and he had to really, you know, it wasn't always guaranteed. And he had a lot more stiffer competition to get to you know, the big dance than those Cleveland Cavaliers with, with LeBron James. So to me, it's like, yeah, they got there. But like you said, it's – they benefited from a weaker, you know, Eastern Conference to get them at least into the playoffs. And once they're there, then, you know, you know, then they do what they do. Yeah, I agree with that. 
I agree with that. Um, it's it's amazing the fact that we talk about legacy now and who's the greatest of all time and everything. And we really have to factor in not just the teams they played, but the competition level as well. Um, that's what's out there and how they got to where they got to as far as the championship goes. But again, kudos to the New England Patriots for doing their due diligence and winning the Super Bowl and just, you know, continuing on. Um, we'll see how they will be um, when we get ready for back to like the OTAs coming up in the draft before that. So, you know, we got a lot to look forward to for this up and coming summer. I mean, this up and coming um, draft and the OTAs and everything else that's coming in the next season of NFL. Um, but before we roll out of here, so to speak, um, there's a lot of NBA news going on, um, a lot of trades. Uh, we already talked about Christoph Porzingis being traded to Dallas. Um, we already talked about some of the other trades that's out there. Um, Dennis Smith Jr., of course, going, um, coming back with DeAndre Jordan, all of them into New York. AD is still in New Orleans. Um, so, and it looks like the trades has been halted or at least stopped momentarily between the Pelicans and the Lakers. But there's so many other trades behind the scenes that's been going. So, um, let me ask you guys a quick question. Are you, do you think that the AD trade is going to happen before the trade deadline tomorrow? Or do you think that he's going to end up staying as part of the New Orleans, New Orleans Pelicans? You go ahead, Ace. Um, I think they're. Uh, I think they're playing. Uh, I think. I think the the Celtics is getting into the. Uh, into the uh, Pelicans' ear. And saying, well, you know, if you hold off, we'll we'll throw. Uh, We'll throw Tatum in there. We'll give you X, Y, Z. We'll give you blah, 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 blah. And there's no guarantee that even though we all say that the Celtics have more assets to give, you know, who's to say that by that time around, the Pelicans will sit there and say, you know, we'll take Tatum. We'll take, uh, we'll take Rozier. We'll take Harford. We'll take whatever. But we still want three ones and two twos. Well, Boston sit there and say, "Well, damn, <laughs> you still want all that for eighty? You know what I'm saying? Um, personally, I think I think at the the eleventh hour, L.A. and Pelicans in New Orleans will probably strike a deal. Um, I think. LA is going to cave. I don't think they're going to give up four ones. I think they, I think they'll give up three, but I'm thinking they'll give it up in odd years, even years. I think they'll go one next year, one two years after that, one two years, you know, and a one two years after that. But then they'll throw the two in those years that they don't give up the one. So they're always giving up, you know, getting some sort of a draft pick from the Lakers for the next uh, next six years. Um, I think that's the that's probably the, the only way that they come up off of uh, that the the Pelicans will probably give 
or you know uh, agreed to the trade along with pretty much uh seven eighth of the Lakers roster. <laughs> You're just gonna leave LeBron a bag of marbles and, and a black and mile with a with a with a shot of Hennessy and they're gonna give up everything else and A D is gonna come along. <laughs> Yeah, what, what what was that thing that um that KD got a whole bunch of flack with about a month or two ago when he said toxic environment that he creates and you know players don't want to go there and all this other stuff. Yeah, to me, this looks like a damn toxic environment. <laughs> with LeBron, he said a lot of players might look not to necessarily go with LeBron because he creates a quote unquote not a not toxic environment verbatim, but bad situations and a lot of people don't want to go because there's always situations. And trust me, this is about as toxic as it gets. I mean, I mean the blowout they had to the Pacers last night, the young guns just stopped playing. And and basically, your name is getting shopped out there for the last two weeks. And LeBron James, and they were basically saying, I don't want to play with none of you guys. Everybody's expendable except me. <laughs> and they're willing to shop out all the young talent that's there. Wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt. Did you see the picture um, of last night's game? There's a photo out there of a lot of team, like the Lakers, where majority of the young players are sitting on one, literally at the front of the helm. And there's a lot of empty chairs, and LeBron is sitting at the far end of the bench. Like, it is so eerie like they showed that like and last night and a lot of people was on social media showing the pictures and everything and I was just like wow that is just so crazy you had Ingram Kuzma all the young players sitting together like like grouped up together and LeBron was just sitting by himself at the end of the bench yeah I heard they were talking about the players when they was um I think it was either Brandon Ingram or somebody else talking about when they got their free throw line talking about you know you know, LeBron's going to trade you, and then when Javier yeah. uh, <laughs> got it to the bench, he was like, you know, you're not worthy of a trade. You're not worthy of going to be traded. Yeah, the Pacers fans are so cold. <laughs> that was probably one of the I, – I, when, when I saw that, I bust out laughing. Like, that that was very smart of the Pacers fans. Like, they went in individually on each player. Well, see, so, mm-hmm. here, so here's the thing. If the trade doesn't happen – by tomorrow, and I'm skeptical that it that it will because for me it doesn't really make much basketball sense for the Pelicans to pull the trigger right now. That same deal that's there today will is going to be there in the summertime. The only difference is you're going to have other teams able to be you know put out their offers, and then you can still come back and take the trade the Lakers have. But if you're not traded, all those players are going to hear that at every stop. They go. Is that mm-hmm. not that not a toxic environment? Is that not the same thing that Kevin Durant said two months ago that he was getting scraped for? And what's happening right now? Toxic environment because AD signed with Rich Paul, who's LeBron LeBron's um boy, his partner, their company, and they're trying to say I want to come to the Lakers and I don't want to sign with nobody else. So. I mean, yeah, there's the risk if you don't trade them that you go to the summertime. And if he's very steadfast saying that you're going to get a one-year rental, which he said, that that's going to deter some people. 
Boston. I don't know if it's going to deter him that much. So it's a, it's a, I don't know. It's the Pelicans. They can make them sweat it out. They can say, okay, we'll still sit them there, but we're going to make you sweat the rest of the season, and we're going to make it as much as bad as for you, and then we'll still take that deal and send it to you. But they don't have to send it. Now you have a disgrunt- now you have a disgruntled AD. They can just basically just send them home and saying, you know, you're done for the season. Don't come back because they don't want to have them hurt and that messes up their trade beat. So – I'm skeptical that it gets done by tomorrow. If it does, is did they give up too much? It's going to be the question. That's basically the bottom line. It's going to be too much. Um, I, to be honest, kudos to, to the Pelicans for doing their due diligence to say, "Hey, look, if you want them that bad, you know, I will get. I want the whole kit and caboodle. I want everything that you have." Plus the lint in your pockets and even Genie Bus. I mean, like they basically was, huh? They was like, I'm not giving up AD unless you give me all this and then some. So they called the Lakers bluff, and sure enough, Lakers was like, Yo, wait, slow down. That's a lot. Like you know. So, but that's either here or there. We can talk more about it. See what happens come tomorrow at the at the traded deadline. Um, but there's a lot of small people getting moved. Um. Iman Shepard got moved. Tobias Harris, of course, is now with Philadelphia now. So I know Philadelphia fans is happy. Um, yeah, they really got they, – now they really don't got a bench. <laughs> yeah, they really don't have a bench. Um, <laughs> let's see, what else is going on? Otto Porter from Washington now got moved. So, I saw that. Uh, <laughs> I, to be honest, I thought it was a good move for them. So, but to bring back Jabari Parker is going to be interesting. Um, gives them gives them some insurance from from the wall situation. Yeah, which definitely was needed. Um, so kudos to them. But there's so much more, and we're only just beginning. I'm pretty sure there's going to be a lot of um, stuff to talk about more next week during the trade deadline being official over. Uh, so, but as of right now, it looks like our time is up. So with that with that being said, um, let people know where they can reach you at. Find me on Twitter and the gram, J.E. Ross, the number seven. All right, you can find me on Twitter, CatDaddy1963. Uh, That's CatDaddy1963 on Twitter. And, of course, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, I am Al Qualls. Twitter and Instagram, I am Al Qualls. like to thank everybody for checking us out. Make sure you tune in to Guys Talking Sports. Again, same time, same channel. Make sure you subscribe on the podcast. Make sure you subscribe on the YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe, period. Um, we appreciate all the love and support. Um, we're also on um, Twitter and Instagram as well, Guys Talking Sports. So show some love there. Make sure you follow us there. But until now, this is Guys Talking Sports. Until the next time, y'all take care and God bless. <laughs>